0: Mm-hmm. Welcome inside the Parisi Palace High above 3773 East Broadway This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show Comedy on Power Talk. Please go to our website PowerTalk.live Download our free app to your smartphone So you can stream all of our live local programming Including Solomon on Blast The Jim Parisi Show And yours truly, The Jake Feinberg Show Can't thank you enough for making us part of your day today And um, it's already been kind of a cosmic day I did my third interview with tootie heath and he was telling me some amazing stories about thelonious monk the man never ate anything he just drank and smoked cigarettes the entire time and uh, i just got off the phone with a cosmic woman from uh from germany who has african seed in her and she's an incredibly spiritual person and i get to finish the day with a cat um uh, tom wright who i didn't even know when i was up in portland but i reached out to him and uh I did a Facebook live with him, and I told him I had a little bit of free time before uh, this gig that I was going to see. And he goes, "Well, you got to check this guy out. He's the hottest guitar player in town, and uh, you know he's got this uh, freak church going on." I look it up. Boom, there it is, right there. And I go in, and uh, the one thing I can say is, on top of all the um, the facility and the chops and the feel, the coolest thing about this cat is that he just always has a great smile on his face and the vibe is so good. I can't wait to hang again. Jimmy Russell, welcome to welcome the Jake up. Feinberg show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Jake. It's a real honor to get to talk to you some more.
0: Yeah, man, you know, um I I just my gut tells me that you were not you have did you come out of the academy Is it related to music have, or are you a street scholar?
1: Uh, I kind of did both I Started taking Jazz bass lessons When I was About in the 6th grade And so I got You know Schooled in that sense But at the same time I was just Sitting in my bedroom Playing along The Jimi Hendrix records
0: <laughs> Wait hold on You were You were taking Upright bass lessons At 6 years old?
1: Well in the, in the When I was in about The 6th grade
0: 6th grade I'm sorry 6th grade So I mean Explain Because that's the one thing I noticed I mean In that jam session I I, I regret not being able to stay for the second set But you're like I remember John, the late great John Abercrombie You know in our interview he told me When he got the gig with Johnny Hammond Smith You know the only reason he got the gig Was because he had really good time And if you don't have time you're not going to get a gig And so now it makes sense Because your time is so insanely good Can you talk about How those upright bass Lessons contributed to your Time feel
1: Oh, it uh, that did have a tremendous impact uh, because just the uh, the teacher that I had was kind of old school, and he you know talked shit about any but any other instrument you know uh, you know the base of it, and so I took you know, I, it was basically jazz lessons. time I was taking lessons I was just jamming along to Jimi Hendrix and started playing uh, shows in the Portland area when I was about 15 and wow I've been playing damn pretty, pretty prolifically Dude, this blasted.
0: is sick Tom uh, Wright Tom Wright made it out that you were like the newest hottest cat in town but I'm like actually you've just been kicking ass for for a long time and you kind of and and you
1: know w- w- one of the most profound experiences that I had uh when I was about eighteen was uh, my mind was expanded, you know right. and I was having a real good time, and I realized the only thing that could get in my own way was myself, and so when the brain wavelength zone that musicians go into that's kind of meditative is like you can see it coming and you just let it happen and the choice is to revel in joy or to sink in paranoia you know so
2: Hmm.
1: uh, a long time ago I figured out how to revel in joy you know pretty much no matter what and
0: Dude, I mean, you are like I mean, this is straight I, I, I was like, this guy is the most old school Cat I've ever I mean, you were smiling the entire Set, I'm like, it was infectious It was like, insanely cool And, uh, because I mean, I'm 41 So, you know, our, our Gen, Gen Xers, we kind of I don't know who your who you're, You know, how old your teacher was But, I mean, we did touch the Um, kind of the last remnants of, of um, I, don't, I don't know what you want to say exactly. I mean, the, the, some of the original masters of the music were still around. And the thing is, you did take lessons, but you didn't go to Berkeley or, you know, one of these places where, for better or for worse now, cats are coming out and they're steeped with facility and chops but they have no feel And they really don't have any bandstand experience So it's like um, You know Can you talk about how you learn I mean was there a definitive moment Before You were psychedelicized And and really realized that You know You were the only one that could stop you Where you succumbed to the paranoia And, and really kind of fell on your face Uh
1: you know, that's just a process that's just a part of uh, you know the, the growth process, and uh, it has, you know, I've been having a real good time for a while, and I can't think of a bad experience off the top of my head, but I, I, I did come up with a, a band called The Quick and Easy Boys, and we played for we've been together for 15 years now we met uh, in Eugene at the University of Oregon we're all attending and uh, you know for about ten years straight we would play about 120 to 140 shows a year uh, between New York and LA and all around the whole United States kind of doing the the middle tier circuit and that is where I got my sea legs really you know uh, playing so often there were some bad experiences but that usually just involved uh
0: getting too drunk no 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 but i mean wait so you're saying that while you were an undergrad first of all you were in kesey's kesey country i can't believe you were down in in eugene that's like one of my favorite areas but you're telling me that in college you were actually touring 140 gigs a year
1: well uh that came a few years right right after college is when we started. We started as a band then and then we kind of stayed local for a couple of years and then the touring started and uh, we got, you know, a manager and the whole infrastructure and, and uh, you know, really went everywhere and made a lot of friends uh, in a lot of different scenes. And it was interesting because uh, there was friends that just stayed at home that ended up building and doing very well. But the ability to troubleshoot uh, what do you think goes wrong on the road you know it's like i've seen problems and this is not a problem
0: <laughs> right no I, I, it's uh would you say that with the quick and easy boys that you were the leader of the band
1: no uh we had uh, eventually the band started it started as a four piece and eventually we ended up as a three piece and I'm, I'm pretty sure i could write a book on interpersonal dynamic you know, three piece rock and roll band oh
0: absolutely
1: uh we we all had strengths and weaknesses, and we all kind of ruled by committee. And it was, you know, there was a lot of love and trust between us, a lot of growth. And I've, Sean Batters is the other remaining member that's still around. And me and him have had every single fight you could ever possibly imagine. And there, there's nothing that phases us.
0: Yeah, no, I. That was the other thing as Sean and you had that telepathy going on on stage. You could tell that you yeah. guys have been cooking the groove for.
1: And we have about sixteen hours of material uh, between the two of us that we have
0: down pretty good so <laughs> what was the um that's kind of the missing i mean is there still not for if i mean you probably i mean you've carved out your own little niche but does that touring i i, I really i know for these i hate labels and music but at least in jazz I mean there's no touring circuit in the United States is there still yeah. is there still Outs. you talk about middle tier? touring circuit was that like um, I mean what does that is that is that based on venues is it based on like I mean explain that I'm very fascinated because I today I feel like the biggest issue going on is that um, obviously you have a supply and demand issue there's too many cats coming out of out of school there's not enough places to play and and then also there's just not enough there's not really any bands anymore you know And, and that speaks to the fact that they didn't have the kinds of experiences. I mean, you said you could write a book on that, you know? That's how oh, road works. Yeah. yeah. So just riff on, I mean, is is there, it, it, I mean, what's the state st- in your mind when you talk to younger cats, what, is that, is there still a a, a, a touring circuit? I, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, dis, uh, I'm, I'm blanking right now. I'm not, I'm not talking about bands with big names or, you know, you know, bands. Oh,
1: yeah, no. There's a, there is a gritty, you know, middle tier road dog in it circuit. I love it. And, uh, you know, we, we did it for so long that you'd look around and you'd realize that there's actually only, uh, you know, a few, few bands that are really doing it. And, you know, it's grinding it out in each market. And, you know, hopefully it's building. We'd always joke because, you know, you'd see the, the bands with the the, Econo lines, the broke you know, the old broken-down Econolines, and then one one tour they'd show up with the Sprinter, and it's like, oh, they, 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 they hit the next level, you know? Yeah, right.
0: Uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you it, base it uh, on that. Yeah, that's always the – I dig. I dig it, man. Well, I mean, did you guys have that kind of material sort of, like, metric system where you were like, wow, we're moving up in the world? Or did you – I mean – It was so,
1: you know – well the, the quick and easy boys are kind of anomaly in terms of a power trio rock band you know we'd, we'd get compared to the Minutemen or you know Funkadelic or you know it ranged a lot of different scenes that we we touched you know and maybe that dispersed our energies a bit more instead of building real solid in one scene but it's like we we got to play with all types of different bands that were well above middle tier and uh, you know paid our dues and it was it was really fun to, like to me one of the most exciting things we got to do is we got to open for uh the funky meters at Cervantes
0: oh that's oh I love that play I love that play I had a great night there one night I mean yeah. are you we so it was the
1: oh, it was with uh George Porter it, oh, and man. Russell Batiste but uh Art Neville was there too which was awesome so, wow
0: yeah. Whoa, whoa! You know, uh, we got a year on this. Like, what you know, year was this? Man. It's
1: insane. And, and uh, you know, he was doing it, but you know, it's like to me that was one of the most exciting things we did.
0: We. Uh, do you find that like? Do Do you find that like? You've now settled into something where? Well, there's a couple questions I have. I mean. When I heard your playing, it was like it's, it, it was like Some kind of combination of Melvin Sparks um, Like Lowell George, kind of Paul Barrere, Fred Tackett kind of thing And then uh, You know, some like Some like rhythm guitar player that you'd hear On a Donny Hathaway or Curtis Mayfield Album. It was that kind of hybrid kind of thing Um, Did you Do you guys find, I mean, do you do you ever, I mean, do you ever play the same song the same way once?
1: No, not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you, is that part of getting out of your own way? I mean, I, I want to go back to this whole idea of drowning in paranoia versus seeing it coming and absorbing it and then allowing your truth to come out. I just think it's really important to talk to younger cats about it because in my mind, there's a homogenization of sound, especially with rhythm sections today. Some of that has to do with electronic drums and things like that, but I just don't hear that kind of individuality. I heard it with you and I I'd like you to, how did, how did you learn to, aside from the bands, aside from those relentless tours, um, you know, how have you learned to really express your truth on the bandstand?
1: You know, uh, my greatest intention is—is is, uh, one time I went to this Shingi uh, martial arts uh, seminar with my stepmom at Mount Hood Community College, and they brought over this 80-year-old uh, chainsaw master who had been renowned for uh, having killed, you know, over 50 people in, in duels because it's kind of a gunslinger martial arts culture that he came from. And I was there, and it's like, because it's kind of machismo in that scene. You know like the biggest the biggest dude like the, the big linebacker came to the to the seminar to push this guy around right right and right. came at him and i what i saw was the little guy do you know it it wasn't uh knee gong where he used his energy the guy the guy touched him but he did a very subtle you know turnaround and this like football player guy like went flying towards the the uh the mirror Whoa. And the 80-year-old dude who looked Whoa. as supple as like a young tiger, you know, oh, jumped across the room and caught him before he hit the mirror. I mean, this all happened in a split second. Oh, and my
0: God. Dude, were you – I mean, that and, sounds like a psychedelicized experience. And I saw, I saw expi- this,
1: oh. and it really – even though I'd been, you know, paying attention to the dynamics of this internal energy art form, uh, I had no idea what I just saw. And it completely uh, left me – With a sense of self-induced mystery, you know, I saw something that I couldn't explain, and I, you know, had to go and figure it out. But it was it was a a self-induced mystery because of this tension that this this power move, you know, that I saw, and I realized that when I play and I'm receiving, I want to do power moves like this, you know, stay in in the course of the plane, but then do something really drastic that leaves the audience in uh awe which is then leads to a self-induced mystery which leads to personal growth on their own terms
0: <laughs> I, I just i mean dude you are the most i mean this is this is where the rubber meets the road for the jake feinberg show um we you know we have a game on this program jimmy called uh, name that voice uh i want you to take a listen to the voice i also Pay attention to the content. I don't I don't think I think you're gonna to relate to it and then we'll come back and break it down.
3: Spiritual thing is is basically when you're playing and it's just not Bebop, this is other music too, but Bebop is in jazz is probably that's the high end of what we do mm-hmm. as jazz musicians. But but just the spirituality comes from it's it's like it's like something now this this may sound abstract, but it's something that Wayne Shorter said to me one time. He said that the only way you can really, really, really play is that you have to go to the store and buy some milk for your grandmother. You know, <laughs> and when he said that to me and the drummer, Omar Hakim. Now, he had a few, few drinks, a few-year-old drink. Right. I said, wow. But a couple <laughs> days later, it hit me, you know, because, you know, it's like to come, if you have one of those kind of families, you go to see your grandmother, she says, go to the store and get me some milk. And you go there. There's a love. There's a. There's something. There's a love for something other than just what you're looking at. It's like your own personal love, which you know, which could come from God, which could come from the force of life. It could be whatever it is that makes you. That you think makes you tick. Mm -hmm. That if you tap into that, whatever that is, it's not. It's not a material. Not the instrument. It's not the notes. It's it's the life force. It's this, it's it. And that is very. When you operate on that band, that's uh, that's or on that uh, frequency in life, that is very spiritual.
0: All right, Jimmy Russell, you want to take a guess at who that is?
1: God, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm I'm unsure.
0: Uh, I lie. That's a that that it, that was from my first interview with Stanley Clark from. September 2014 oh that's great and it's like okay Wayne Shorter said if you it's the feeling is like you have to go to the store to get your grandmother some milk and I was like it took me a long time to understand how that related to <laughs> spiritual music but I got it and frankly Jimmy as you can probably tell with the excerpts it's that I'm putting out I mean it's I have been operating on that frequency not every yeah. not every minute of every day, but especially behind the microphone, it is this yogic state, and it's 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 cathartic, and you and it's purpose driven. And I feel like when I saw you play, that's what it is. I mean, some people's intentions for music are different. Can you talk about right. your concept of how to get to a place where you can actually transcend, play spiritual music, and really what that means is raising the collective consciousness of the band to the audience, back to the band. You can riff on that any way you want.
1: It's a moment moment, moment to moment surrender of, of jumping off the cliff of taking chances and trusting yourself. And, you know, it, the, only, the only thing I could really say is that it just comes through experience and, and trust and trusting yourself. And, you know, when you're first starting out and you're taking chances and you know, stuff doesn't work out, you know, move on. Don't, you know, just continually be at ease with the process and what, what's going on, you know. And if you make a mistake, you just repeat it.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's exactly it. Play it, play the same, play it against the Miles but, Davis thing. I love it. Play it
1: again. But, uh, it's, you know, I've found this zone where I've been playing about five or six nights a week. And it's all with different groups, and it's all people who I look up to. And what I'm very so appreciative about is that, you know, coming up, you you have to deal with what I would call uh, people that have American Idol syndrome. You
0: know, (laughs) yeah, that's right. That's exactly. I want to get rich. I want to get famous. Yeah, I dig. I dig.
1: Yeah, the delusions are grandiose and the rubber doesn't ever really meet the road (laughs) and you have to go through you know sussing out those people as they come early on in the career and at this point every single person that i've been working with is the most empathetic loving person with a great ability to receive my rapid fire bad humor and uh there's something where no i was gonna say dude
0: hold on i I like your sense of humor man just don't you gotta you gotta have a a big bag of jokes and don't repeat the same one go ahead go ahead
1: Uh, yeah well first (laughs) of all uh i live my mom's basement and she cuts me emotionally and steals all my food and so if you guys want to send in money uh to my venmo it would be greatly appreciated (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> Like I have to I have to like You know Eat cheeseburgers From the tip jar Like on the way home You know And I don't even want to talk about Wait hold on that,
0: So you're telling me That, that, that that's not Jimmy Russell's stand up That's truth That's not a joke
1: Well you know it's an embellishment she's a, she's a wonderful lady But this is This is part of my My bad humor
0: Okay, I, I did. I don't even. I
1: don't even want to talk about. that. no,
0: it I, like, no like, you know. Let's, let's, let's listen, I would much rather. I. I don't care whether you. <laughs> I don't really. The I can put up with the jokes, man, because I'm having. Because you, you really, man, you're like. Do you feel? I guess this is the other point. Is that I mean, I when I talk to Leland Sklar, or when I talk to, I don't know whoever it is. It's like you know they talk about cats that are I don't know twice our age or in their seventies and eighties and and they've they their walls are lined with gold records and. <clears throat> and they have more money than they know what to do with and and they're and they're miserable and resentful because the phone has stopped ringing and the reason that right. they're resentful that the phone has stopped ringing is that they were under the impression throughout their career that they were fully responsible for the for what they create for what they created musically whatever came out of their apparatus when in fact musicians are merely a conduit for the music coming through them from the heavens right
1: and and it's a it's an oral tradition that you know pops up faster than than any weed you could ever imagine (laughs) and it's the most subversive thing you can do to help you know reprogram the neural pathways of of the people that have been dealing with so much trauma that don't get the, the joy to uh meditate all day every day when they're having fun and you know, having a and freak out at the same
0: time. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, were you like a philosophy major at university? I mean, this is unbelievable Where how deep this is going. I mean, this is... Un- well,
1: I mean, I just... You know, I, stuff that interests me, I've, I'll read. And,
0: and I think also... I mean, you've, you and Sean especially, I mean, I feel like it's much more authentic when you can talk about something when you've actually lived it, right? I mean, you've kind of lived the right. experience it's not like i mean did you did you go to school at eugene uh university of oregon as a music major or no
1: you know i took uh a few classes and i took uh actually some bebop lessons from a really uh amazing straight ahead bebop player named mike denny
0: Mike, is he still around
1: and yeah he, I'm, I'm sure he's still around oh, and, oh, check uh, that cat out yeah. it took it took him about a year and a half of lessons before I could get him to crack a smile and he kind of understood that what, what level I was operating off of. <laughs> Cause you know, he, he'd be like, I'd go in and be like, what do you mean you can't play 300 BPM straight ahead? Charlie Parker after studying it for three weeks, you, you're horrible. You know, I was like, so I go in and, and you know, cherry pick the strategies and the things that I was able to absorb at that time. And that, you know, be playing these, these, Straight ahead changes And I'd bend bend notes And every time he'd stop me He'd go
0: Oh When you bend those notes It's it's like nails on a chalkboard Like Wow He was really He was like a bebop purist I mean the guy The guy was pretty I mean Really purity kind of cat Not not, Yeah yeah. And
1: you know I just wanted to go Learn You know What that tradition was like Because I I knew that There was a lot You know like the encyclopedia. And and also at that time uh you know I was seeing Scott Pemberton play at the uh Goodfoot. Right. And you know that was the point where I was like, well, if I'm going to be a guitar player in town and, and there's this guy who I you know infinite respect for and love for Scott's a great player and great human. But uh you know if he's a, he's playing the way he is, it's like I'm going to have to go take bebop lessons to you. You know, i expand my vocabulary and be able to better express myself.
0: Well, I think it's really interesting what you're saying because that was my question is, you know, you go, um, I mean, Charlie Parker would put on the radio back when people, when, you know, when when it was all you could really listen to was the radio and he would uh, listen to every song. And then ultimately play that song in every key, and his so his ears were wide open. But what happens now is that I don't know was it was it a conscious decision on your part to say I don't want to be, become part of the academy? I find it really pretty pretty prophetic on your part to even at a very young age. I mean, I pissed away my college career at Boston University just you know tripping out and you know being really immature and but for you to have the foresight yeah of course (laughs) but i'm saying like for you to have musically for you to say i don't want to get sucked into sounding like my professor or i i just i'm going to pick and choose what i need to learn i mean it has it has an old school vibe to it um and it's i've actually been running it it's not surprising because of the frequency I'm on But I'm 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 finding these cats More and more My age And I'm It's incredibly cathartic For me because It, it gives me hope That the lineage of music Will The cycle of music Will continue But was that like A well, conscious decision On your part Or is that something You just were well, like I don't know
1: Part of it was Just the resonance Of when I You know The first time I heard Jimi Hendrix And how he hit his notes I'm like oh that's Yeah That's it That's, that's yeah. how I want to hit notes You know It's like it's Eric Dolphy You know excites me the same way on you know, the bass clarinet. It's like anybody that hits the notes the right way. So it's like, I have a joke, like the older I get, the more I like Eric Clapton, but I'm taking that as a, a function of testosterone. Loss.
0: <laughs> like, no, know, like, yeah, I
1: dig. I could receive or how I could receive it, you know, do the gym filter. And I knew what sounded like Jimi Hendrix or Eric Dolphy and what didn't. And that's, that was really my compass, you know, so... I, I would take take the strategies and then try to incorporate it. So I'd take it from anywhere, really, you know. Uh,
0: that's what Tom was saying, I think, essentially, is that you're just gigging every night. I mean, are, I hate – I really am from the Duke Ellington School. I mean, it's all music to me. I I, um, I mean, I, Tootie said that one time um, – this is the legendary story. When he was with Herbie Hancock, it was the Fat Albert Rotunda time, like late 60s um, – they they closed the show For the Iron Butterfly And like yeah. You know like Dizzy Gillespie Was making a pass At Grace Slick uh, <laughs> Because Dizzy And the Jefferson Airplane Were on the same bill together And so it's like yeah. You know like that was the, I'm thinking I'm like How wide open Were people's ears That And, and again What Tootie said was The minute Herbie's band Got on the stage And these are like Masters of the music And they were right. trying To fuse and cross over it was, it was time to get popcorn And go to the bathroom So a lot of people Didn't get it but it's right, still right. the concept is so great. It's all music, so you can. I mean, are you are you playing completely different genres of music every night of the week? It,
1: yeah, it it definitely ranges uh, drastically. And I'm I'm just using those same old licks, so it's <laughs> right. Yeah, you're doing, <laughs> <great. laughs> but but uh, you know, I'm I've, I've been really fortunate that through you know putting my head down and doing the work and. Cultivating relationships with people that are empathetic, that I look up to, that are great players, that easy to get along with and joke with, and you know, I get hired to play with a lot of these players, and and uh, it's just, you know, it's a real. I feel very fortunate to get to do that because it's 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 a hustle, but I don't you know, if there's, there's only so many spots. I don't you know, it's not not many people can sustain that.
0: And it's really, I mean, in this. Current social strata that we're in, Portland has one of the most vibrant music scenes in the country by far. I mean, it's, right. it's, I mean, there, I, I, when I was there, I was, I got a hip you to my, my buddy, a dear friend plays the Cajon and Trap set. His name's Raphael. And we just had a jam session at his house. I can't remember. I think it was the night before I saw you. And all these just beautiful, empathetic, just the way you described it, these like humble, beautiful, Multi-ethnic cats came over, we had this fucking crazy jam session, and I'm like, and they were just a handful of regular cats, I'm like, this this town is full of musicians, so, I mean, if in order to sing for your supper, it's not like, it's not like you're the only, it's not like this, there's one bar in the town, you I know, mean, it's just a thriving, pulsing scene.
1: come through on a Tuesday at the Goodfoot uh, this summer
0: I'm going I'm com- Jimmy I'm coming back to uh, you gotta let me know and yeah
1: because I, I started 11 uh, a, a person funk band
0: oh this is sick uh,
1: called, called Jimmy Russell's Party City 2034 <laughs> the idea being that we come from the future where you know the most vile thing you know you could do is wage war and you know peace is an option and right we'll right. Along and we, we traveled back from the year 2034 to, to put on these funk shows. And, uh, to to and, and uh, that lineup includes, uh, like, Tyrone Hendricks.
0: I don't know if you're aware well, of Well, no, he played. He was playing drums on Windjammer, that tune we came in oh, with. Yeah, right. fucking badass, dude. And he grew up a
1: gospel player, is uh, one of the nicest human beings and greatest players I've ever played with. And he got the drum briefly for both, like, uh, Stevie Wonder and Prince.
0: Yeah, you can tell he's not... I mean, his four-way coordination is out of hand. I mean, he's holding... I mean, he, and you have, to, you have to hold it together with an 11-piece band, or it'll become a total mess. So you really have to... You have to have serious skill to do that. Um, and then uh, yeah. there's,
1: you know, three keyboardists, and then, uh, like, you know, like Reggie Houston comes through, who was in Fast Domino's band for 25 years, Whoa. and Steve Berlin from Los Lobos. And it's, it's, it's really uh, a very special... Melting pot of all these different scenes in Portland that I've been in contact with, and so I try to bring them together and have a, a really good time. So, you know, if you,
0: if you want to see the Dionysian freak out, you got to come to that. The di- I'm going for the Dionysian freak out. No, yeah, the, the yeah. thing. Did you um do you find yourself like uh, with the quick and easy boys? I assume it's still a working band. You said it's 15 years going here.
1: Yep, we. Uh, town and we're working on content we just we released uh, a record through ninkasi uh brewing they they had a studio in their uh in their brewery so we go down to eugene and and we usually we would stay sober for recording sessions but this was like we didn't even realize we were making a record until it was done we just would drive down to eugene and they give us free beer and we just fart around in the studio and so that you know it basically turned out a kind of a psychedelic country record.
0: Well, I got. I, I got to get hip to this. I mean, dude, I, I, Oregon is my favorite state in the. I mean, I live in Tucson, which is great, but I, I yeah. love freaking Oregon. But I mean, have you done? Have you gotten everything out? Of, I'm not saying everything out of your system, but I mean, like, have you done the High Sierra Music Festival? Have you played Jazz Fest? I, I, I'm just trying to. Like, you seem like you've flown below the radar with all this road, all this wear and tear. Have you gotten yeah. all that stuff out of your system, or is there still like things the bucket list stuff for for Jimmy Russell? Well,
1: we did uh, we did high Sierra last year and it was a great success and it was really fun and we have gotten into a number of festivals this summer that like we got into String Summit finally.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sorry, this one this String one coming up.
1: Years. Yeah, yep.
0: And where, and where is that going to be at?
1: We're gonna uh, that is uh, outside of Portland at uh, Horne's Hideout and then we'll be playing on top of. Uh, Further
0: bus, I think. Are you? Fr- Wait, hold! On. I got to get the dates immediate. I am going to be there because I'm super close with the with the last Mary Pranksters. I love Ken Babs and those guys. You remind yeah, me. We, yeah,
1: we came across uh, some of those characters.
0: Oh my! You, I uh, knew it. You <laughs> were you are a, a young prankster, dude. I I can feel it, oh, dude. Yeah, no,
2: we,
1: we we're certainly yeah.
0: Hold on, you. I, 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 I want. I need to past. know this story. How did you come across uh, George Walker Babs? Who did you come across uh, exactly?
1: Uh, it was yeah it it was all all the above I mean you know peripherally just at these you know hippie events that we were at you know and then uh, the Keezy's son would hire us for gigs a lot too so we a lot of it was hanging out with the, the Sons of the
0: pranksters you know yeah no like zane zane and uh yeah, zane, exactly, zane yeah. and and then uh, simon i know is Babs' son are, you're not are you playing keezy's memorial this summer no okay cuz there okay is that i i just that's I, i'm i'm we um we have one i have one more name that voice for you uh and uh i want you to take a listen to it and then we'll we'll come back The the second L. I wanted you to talk about uh, love. The way you, um, what do you consider love, and how you bring love uh, to people in your
2: life. Oh boy, that's that's a good one. I love that.
0: (laughs) You got you got in three minutes. In three minutes.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, love to me is what makes everything go around. I think that love created the universe. I think that. If you, if you say you do not believe in God, you're an atheist or whatever, you know, I respect that. Uh, I think we all need to respect uh, how, how each other feels about things in life. Um, but for you to say that you don't believe in God, and if you have a little daughter or a little son, and you look in their eyes, you can't tell me that you don't believe in love. Mm-hmm. And to me, God is love. So... I don't think I need to go any further with that, as far as that's concerned, and mm-hmm. I also I also believe that, uh, that, and especially at this time in, in the world, what's going on out there in the world, it's just insane, and we need to hold on to love, we need to hold on to what love is, we need to realize that there's a heavy struggle going on in the world, and and I don't think any of us really understand, we don't understand it like we, we should, but I know one thing for sure, that this world needs love. It always did. Jackie DeShannon said it, what the world needs now is love. Mm-hmm. That song still makes me cry when I hear it.
0: <laughs> Kellner, tell. Oh, uh, did you hear that?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm saying, did is you hear that the, gotta
1: the, be, uh, Is that Colonel, Colonel Bruce?
0: dude you know that's not a bad guess uh that was my first interview with Jim Keltner oh wow and um from back in uh it does say it's something that Colonel Bruce rest in peace would say from August 2014 that was Keltner and I are gotten to be pretty close and I I wanted to ask Jimmy Russell you talk about the uh up for the downstroke with the with the the uh, eleven piece, the twenty thirty four band, uh, coming back to the from the future, um, yep. I you know that's the thing that struck me on the on the bandstand when I saw you was just, uh, even though you were rocking your you know the, you were getting the, your bag of jokes out and stuff, I mean, you were paying homage to the older cats in that band, that that incredible. Right. Psychedelic cowboy cat that was playing Guitar and and I said This guy's got love in his heart man I mean he's just He's got and 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 that's all my My show is dedicated to the four L's Leadership love life Which is overcoming adversity and the lineage of all Music so um, How do you bring love to people outside Of I mean obviously Through your apparatus but What's your concept of what's Jimmy Russell's concept Of love and how do you bring love to the world Fractured me into a. Yeah, I know. This is the Jake Feinberg show. You're, 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 yeah, you're. Yeah, welcome to, to the Jake to Feinberg answer
3: show. Answer that.
0: <laughs> we uh, can do. We can pick it up part two if you don't want to go there. But I'm just saying, like it's. I he was he said that in 2014, and we're here today, and it's even, at least at the core, I just see a callousness enveloping, uh, around the world and with people, and really all I'm trying to do is connect humanity in the digital age using, right. new media. So. I mean, you said it's a grind, it's a hustle, but, I i mean, Art Blakey said, you know, my job is to wash away the dust of everyday life for those patrons that come right. in. And yeah, I kind of feel that's, that's the same way with, with you, you know? That's
1: exactly how I feel about it. And it, because, you know, if, if you think about it, there's not many places where people can go to decompress from, <laughs> and, you know, there's like, religion and sports and you know maybe working out or what, whatnot but but a lot of that has dogma and i like playing music because it can help you decompress without having to have dogma <laughs> and so it's pretty i don't know i want to be uh,
0: i want to go deeper on this for a minute hold, hold on the, the, uh there's nothing um as far as like um uh, precepts or things you need to buy into with music? Is that what you're kind yeah. of getting at?
1: Yeah, and it, it also, you know, one of the things about being in the middle tier road dog zone is you're playing in a lot of, you know, rundown places where, you know, people that are having, you know, lower economical tyranny you know what right right, right. And, and and so it's like there th- that might be one of the few outlets is like I'm going to the bar to get drunk and you know this is my chance to connect with people that <laughs> are, you know need need to hear good music you know
0: absolutely
1: and, and you know I, I take that serious <laughs> and, and yeah, and I think I think I think it's uh, it's a lot very of evident. Feedback from people.
0: Well, I mean, it, it gives those people. I mean, because without doing a too deep a dive, it's just like we have working poor, and then you have the completely destitute. I know you see that all the time in Portland. You know, we have it here in Tucson. Right. So anyway, anytime you can move people, you have that ability in any of your bands to move people away from conformity. Towards individuality And that's for people right. that, that actually have Some kind of foundation in their life And then for those that are completely Down and out An opportunity for liberation And light So those vi- you're raising vibrations um, On a daily basis Which is unquantifiable And that's the other issue We can get into this in part two, But it's just the idea of I want you to think about this It's just how the significance of music has changed in our culture because um you know Dizzy and Miles they weren't millionaires they they probably should have been but they were definitely compensated for their work and Dizzy was treated with the same kind of respect as a doctor or lawyer and now you have like a situation where it's like and I'm sure you run into this maybe you used to but now you have a bigger name so you know they don't f with you but now it's like If you don't have any You know it's like pay to play Or you play for the door Um, And because music is unquantifiable Because there's a magic To the kind of spiritual music That Jimmy Russell plays or That so many people play It's given It's given It's given bar owners Or you know People like that to say Well if I mean If we can't put numbers to it Then it must be a musician's gift To the world And that's horrendous And that's not a good sign For society
1: Well that's uh, you know, I make a lot of jokes on stage about looting in my mom's basement to get money in the tip jar. Right. I, you know, I'm very fortunate that I get along with her and that, you know, and I sometimes I burst into her room drunk after a gig. It's <laughs> like, thank you, Mom, for you don't know how many drunk people feel better tonight because you let me live <laughs> <leave laughs> in your basement and you know spread the music that I got, you know. So, you know, I, I'm fortunate to have that. It is
0: what it is Well let's do part two soon And um I had a ball with you man And I I can't yeah, wait to great chatting with you. Yeah man I can't wait to come and, and catch you uh In a robust Live setting wherever it is man Cause you really uh Yeah you just keep going forward man Because you know the, you're not thinking Up there the music's coming through you And it's uh and you're giving a You're radiating light to A lot of people um even though I think the vibrations are a little bit higher In the Pacific Northwest Because it's not as insane as some of these Other, you know, Christian Sharia law states But I think that um, yeah, The yeah. problem
1: with the Northwest Is that all the, all the markets are so far away As opposed to the East Coast, you know
0: Oh, uh, you mean like uh, Like big city? Like, I mean, like New York? Yeah, like
1: like, yeah. like Seattle, three hours San Francisco is about 11 You know, Boise six and then there's a whole lot of uh, small towns, which are great. We've some of our best scenes have come from small towns. But yeah, the, you know, yeah, it's,
0: no, you're totally best, right. And then, yeah, it. just, it just, I, I mean, it's yeah, you can't have it all. But I, I'm with you, man. I mean, if you could be in any town that had, anyway, you keep raising vibrations, Jimmy. Much love to you, man, and uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thanks, Jake. All right, dude. Later on, man. You can stay at my mom's house when you come to Portland. I, no, and I want to be there when you bust in. Yeah, no, I'm going to stay with your with your mom, and, and we'll raise vibrations. That's right. right. Yeah, be good, brother. All right, you too. Thank you. Later, man. Peace. Legendary cat, Jimmy Russell. He's telling a lot of good jokes. His jokes are getting better. Um, three Three heavy, heavy, heavy interviews in the books today on the Jake Feinberg Show, and we'll be back tomorrow with more. Until then, have a great one. Peace.